So I actually have a photo with both fathers in the photo, still not knowing he was my father, my biological father. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. And welcome to episode 189. And I am preparing for the Untangling Our Roots Summit, which will be held in Denver this year. This summit is for NPEs, adoptees, anyone affected by adoption. It could also be birth mothers, birth fathers, and people in the assisted reproduction community as well. I went to this summit last year. I spoke there. It was an amazing experience. And so we have one coming up in April, April 25th through April 28th, 2024. And it will be in Denver, Colorado. If you are available that weekend, please come join us. There will be three plus days full of events. First of all, we're going to have over 50 speakers. I will be speaking on Friday as well as Saturday at the event. You can meet people like yourselves with similar stories. You can connect with with friends you've met, perhaps through the, the Facebook pages, perhaps through the forums. There will probably be a few hundred people there. There will be authors, podcasters, and it's also going to be fun. And there's really good food as well. So there's there's entertainment. I will be doing a panel with Eve Sturgis and Don Anderson on one day. They also have their own podcasts. And uh, we're coming up with something pretty cool. In fact, if you want to be on the podcast, I will also be recording there as well. And I invite people to come and share with me in, you know, two, three, four minute segments. I'd love to have you guys on. So really consider it. Also, one more thing at the request of a few NPEs, I have added one more tier to my Patreon page. I have a Patreon page and it accepts donations for keeping this podcast alive. I do this by volunteer only. I don't accept advertisers. I don't accept sponsorships. This is my labor of love, and I'm happy to do it. It brings so much to my life. I love our community. But I do have to pay for my editing software and my hosting, and I do accept donations. So I added a new $3 tier. If that is something you would like to donate to, you can find that on patreon.com slash NPE stories. I will put the link for the Untangling Our Roots Summit, as well as the link to my Patreon page down below in whatever podcasting app you're looking at. Normally, you can just scroll down through the short description of the episode, and you should be able to find these links. So 
This is episode 189. I have on an NPE today, and we're going to listen to her story. And today I'm speaking with Sue. Hi, Sue. Hello, Lily. How are you? I'm I'm good. I, I'm so proud of us for figuring out this 17-hour time difference we have here. Yes, it's certainly been interesting. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's great. It all worked. It is very early for you, and and I think it's the next day. What what time is it for you right now? Uh, time here is ten minutes to six. Sorry, oh my- ten minutes to six. Oh my gosh, it's before six in the morning. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all good. I'm an early bird. I catch the worm. <laughs> where, where where are you? Are you in Australia? Yes, I'm in Australia. Um, in Sydney. About four. I'm in for about forty minutes out of Sydney itself. That's why we have outside of Sydney. Sydney. Okay. That's why we have the huge time difference. Well, thank you so much for for being on the wait list and being willing to share your story. And we finally got to schedule this today. And we're gonna hear your your story today. Now I know you know this you this I know you know this format. You've heard a whole bunch of these episodes. We were already talking earlier today. So we're going to start and get an idea about your family of origin and who was in it and what your what your childhood was like. Yeah, sure. And you just said that I've been listening to podcasts. I certainly have. Lily, yours is the first one that I actually started listening to. I was unaware of other ones that I that were available. But as you start listening, you hear people talking, and now I basically listen to a lot of them. Also, Facebook sites. And people, I read a lot on the Facebook sites. There's various places like you can log into there. Um, I love hearing about the NPE lives of others and how each person have handled their own discoveries. And and they're so emotional. A lot of them are so emotional because I just feel really sad for all the people that are having a hard time with it. But in saying that, I I would love to share my story today. I'm one of five children. Um, I'm actually currently 66, and I grew up. We grew up very in a very poor household. My older sister is seven years older than me. She has been like oh, older, oh, sorry, other mother. And because our mum worked from daylight to dark every day, and basically we'd really only see her on the weekends. So my older sister stepped up because she, my sister was born first, then two brothers. And then myself, and then another sister younger than me, one year younger than me. We were very close in age, and strangely enough, we're very close in looks and everything else about the two of us. Uh, same with everything; it's like we were twins. In fact, even at school, uh, the teachers would see me on a, on a school line and drag me across to her line and find out she was already there. So we're very much alike. <laughs> uh, we our parents married back in 1950. And in the, in the, the period that I was born, sort of back in from 1957 or when I was old enough, my father, my history of my, my birth certificate father is that he worked away all the time. He, worked, he would go away working building houses for, the, for government housing and he would go like 12 hours away. So he would go away uh, every week, uh, every second weekend. He'd be gone for two weeks. He would come back on a Friday night, pull up in his truck. He'd basically spend the weekend at home and head off again on the on very early on the Monday morning. So we didn't really see much of him. Um, but when he would come home, he he always tended to have a big fight with mum. 
and he'd get dressed and he'd go off to the club and we wouldn't see him all weekend. And if we had a, a netball game on or the boys had a soccer game on, he'd turn up to that because he was very sports-minded. But basically, I, I, my younger sister and I have very different memories to our other three siblings. Basically, we always saw mum and dad fighting all the time. So we lived in a household where, and he wasn't a good breadwinner, so we never really had money. Uh, so we made the best of it. I mean, that's our, that's our tapestry. That, that's how we're brought up. But we lived in a house that was oh, pretty rough and mum just worked and worked and worked. So she would work in a factory just to support us birth certificate father wanted to take us to all the places where he worked and like just move the family around the country all the time but mum insisted that we all stay in the one place so we could all have the one school primary or so two schools primary and high school and also we had a uh, we all went the five of us went to catholic schools so that meant extra money that they had to come up with to put us through school and it's funny, like back then you don't realise it, but now all five of us really appreciate what was done for us. And we used to think, well, we, we did know that our father um, chased women all the time. So, you know, he'd go off to the club, wouldn't see him all weekend. So we thought, well, you know, he's obviously chasing. And we actually had a bit of evidence along the way that he was chasing other women. But the arguments together, sort of looking back on it now, we always think, oh, that's that they wouldn't be they wouldn't be in the same room without arguing or fighting somehow. And my younger sister and I would often cry ourselves to sleep at night, thinking, "Oh, there's another fight." Well, the other three just didn't care. They didn't they didn't worry too much. Maybe they were just that bit older uh, that they could maybe understand it a bit more. But basically, uh, didn't really think much of my birth father at all because he just I just imagined him always. I didn't imagine he was always fighting with mum all the time, and she'd fight back too, like argue back. And was it always uncomfortable to have him around? But then as he got older, his company went bankrupt. He moved back home. And basically, he deteriorated mentally and become old really fast. They still fought. like as, as, Even in their, their older age, they still would fight with each other. And we'd often hear mum say to scream at him and say, I know that I'm their mother, but you don't know if you're their father. And we used to think, oh, that's a little nasty, little stab. That's just her being Mary spiteful. Mm. And there's a lot of things that were said along the way. Now everything falls into place. Anyway, he died at 75. But in his later years, once he was living back at home, I'd look after him. I'd make his clothes for him because he loved having clothes because my, um, I was used to be a fashion teacher. Uh, make his clothes for him, look after him, take him to appointments, clip his toenails, cu- cut his hair. Just what you do for for parents. He was my father. As much as I didn't think much of him, he was still my father, so I still had that little bit of respect. Anyway, he died at seventy five, and luckily all five of us were around. Usually, the uh, two the two brothers they live interstate, so that it's the three girls all sort of live more near near each other, but the two boys lived still live interstate. So he died at an early age, and then Mum had twenty years later. Uh, so she had twenty years without him, but we still all looked after Mum. Anyway, Sarah, I mean, we don't have any regrets about our rough upbringing, you know, as rugged as it was, uh, because that's our history. That's our, they're they're our memories. We can all still talk and laugh about it. um, And that's, you know, it is what it is. As much as I didn't, didn't like him, I still respected him as a father. But then, so basically that's our history. Uh, The five of us are still, are fairly close. Apart from the boys living interstate, they they come here 
often, particularly when mum was sick. They were here all the time to visit her. But so, so really that's, that's the history of my growing up. I'll just sort of start to bring in now my NPE status. In February in 2018, my husband and I were watching the ads on television and you see lots and lots of ads for Ancestry.com. And I just said to him, how about we get our, our ancestry done so we can see, I want to know what countries I come from. Because, you know, our grandmother would tell, you know, my grandmother would say, oh, I'm half Irish and I'm this and I'm that. You never really know. So um, we sent off. We just got the kits done. But in saying that, my husband was already involved with my heritage because his aunt did a whole lot of genealogy. And then he was teaching her how to put the My Heritage onto the computer and then basically inherited that when she passed away. So he's quite involved in My Heritage, building trees and all that. So I thought, I really want to know where I come from. So we get the results in in April 2018 and we looked at the results. I see the countries that he came from. He's basically very Scottish from his grandfather's side. And I got my results back. Really interesting. And it shows you all the little countries where you come from. But I never realized that they actually do matches. They match you up with people. Um, I didn't realize that was part of it. So I was really happy. Oh, good. I come from here. My husband comes from there. I then sent those results to our three adult children and said, hey, this is where you come from. Here's your mixture. They just thought, yeah, great. I had a look at it. Oh, that's interesting and didn't think much of it either. Um, so, and then uh, then I get a message that comes through this, the, the Ancestry site, and it's a cousin who writes to me and says, hey, um, I've just, just received your match, and she starts talking to me via, via the, message, the message on it. And then I realised this cousin, who I'd never met before, from my grandmother's side, and I know my grandmother's side quite well. She died very young at 72. 41 years ago now, um, and this cousin is a descendant of who we called Auntie Edie. My grandmother used to always talk about one of her sisters, her, her sister, one older than her, Auntie Edie, and we always heard a lot about it. Well, this this cousin was a descendant from her, and not only was she descended from her, her mother's also a match. Now, her mother did actually, she did all the genealogy and she's been doing it for nearly 50 years. So she's got a lot of paperwork. She's done it all like the hard way that with the genealogy. And then her daughter, who was brought up doing that with her mother, she actually learned how to do when DNA come in. She was able to master the DNA system and match people, you know, match adopted people with parents. And like she's, very, oh, my God, the brain that she has to work all that out, it just, it just baffles me because I'm just, I just can't relate to all that. But she, she's she been working really close to me and we've we've got a great relationship now. We, we, we talk often, her and her mother. Uh, and so she started helping me work the, the ancestry system and along the way we figured out that my uncle, who never had children and died quite early, we found out that he had a daughter. So my older sister, who's seven years older than me, because by that stage we were both retired from work, she was she has always been on the journey with me. She's always been by my side and followed. She, she doesn't sort of get right into the DNA part like I was doing, 
but totally understanding it, totally beside me all the way. So we went off to um, Victoria and met this cousin that my uncle this my uncle had, and not only did was the, the cousin, she had five children, they all got children, but sadly, when we actually went down to meet her, she was actually dying. She's my age. She was that was that was about three three years or four years ago, and she couldn't speak much. She was dying of cancer, and we were able to tell her because she only found out very late on her mother's deathbed that the two stepfathers she had were not actually her fathers. Um, and one of them was quite nasty and said, the other stepfather wasn't even your father. You should ask your mother. So she was an NPE. She never realised. She asked her mother and she found out who the father was. So we were able to tell her and she sat there looking at us and t- told her that, and it was such a great feeling. She sat there and we said, now, if he was still alive, if your, if your bio father was still alive, and even if he didn't get on with your mother, he would have never have left you He would because he loved children so much. Anyway, she just sat there and tears just rolled down her face because we just sort of reassured her that he would have loved her, absolutely loved her, and would have never left her sight. So then we found out a little bit further down the track, which is very interesting. We found out that, and this cousin of mine was sort of heading us in the right direction, but basically we found out that my mother had a Greek father, not the German father we called Pop. He was... Uh, my mother, my grandmother, had a relationship with a Mediterranean man, as they put it, uh, and when she was only seventeen, and absolutely was besotted with this Greek man. And when she got pregnant to him, he ran off, never to be seen again. Um, and not only have we got DNA to prove that, the two cousins I was mentioning earlier, the mother and the daughter. Their, mother, their grandmother, her, their mother is still alive. She's just turned 100. She was only a youngster when my grandmother was having this relationship. So she actually has been recorded because the, the daughter records everything her mother says. So back many years back, the mother actually said that um, she witnessed basically the relationship, like used to stir, stir them up and that, uh, saw them canoodling in the park. So she actually met him and knew all about it and then later on we found out all the DNAs and my mother as much as she was an absolutely stunning person up till her third child and she put on a lot of weight after that uh, she looks like a big Greek lady and Mm. then you in a photo we have there's my grandmother on her 70th birthday and her five children and there's our mum a black curly hair great big mop of black curly hair very big lady and then her siblings were all, I say as toothpicks, but all very thin, nearly red-headed to brown-head hair, and all very, very thin. And a lot of things fell in place after that. That's why mum looks like that. That's why mum's so different. So our, our German grandfather, he was a friend of Auntie Edie. If you remember back, I mentioned Auntie Edie. Her husband was in the Navy, and, and, and the, the German grandfather was his best mate. He took on my grandmother uh, while she was pregnant and had mum. And then in 1929, the following year they got married, then they continued to have four other children. And that secret was taken to everybody's grave. So when we actually, mum was still alive then. Mum's only been gone 14 months. Uh, We never told mum because she was in a nursing home just, just starting to get dementia and we just thought, 
We can't do that to her because she idolised her parents. They were just everything to her. Um, so we never told her that because she'd be sitting in a nursing home so disturbed about it. So we, we didn't tell her that. But anyway, then along the way, we found other relatives we never knew we had followed along. But then I found, sort of getting to me now, there was this name, and I don't mind mentioning it because they're all past now, this name, the surname Chard, C-H-A-R-D. And we knew a Chard. He was, he was Uncle Bert. And we, my sister and I figured out that that was probably our, our father's father. Maybe there was a discrepancy there somewhere. We could figure out how we could see it. But then the cousin actually said to us, the cousin that does the DNA, gave us a few more hints. She didn't want to tell, tell me. She just wanted for me to figure it out myself. And then as we're working it all out, she actually said to me, now, do you really want to know to go further? And do you really want to know where this is leading? At that point, I said, well, we need a bit of a hint because we've got this so far. And she goes, well, that's not the way it goes. And she very gently, very gently, and she's, and she does this with other people. She doesn't like to just sort of hit you in the face with, hey, your dad's not your dad. Basically, she sort of put the hints, and I can't remember now how she did it, in a direction where I thought, it's me that's the NP. It's not my dad. It was actually me. Um, so we found out that this travelling salesman, Back in the day when we, when those days you had people come and knock at your door and sell things, just like we had the milkman, like the baker, everyone come to your door to drop off various items. He was a travelling salesman. So he obviously hooked up with mum and we, Uncle Bert and Auntie Louise, they were our family friends and out of respect we called them Auntie and Uncle. And partly when always told this story that when she was pregnant, Uncle Bert and Auntie Louise come along, who only lived two, two doors up, two houses up the road at the time. They moved later. Uh, they fronted mum and said, now that you're pregnant, Louise can't have children. We'd like to adopt your the one you've got in your stomach. And you've already got three other children. We'd love to take on that baby. So I don't know whether they thought because they were poor or, or whether that was their way. I don't know how it was done. But mum always said that, they always wanted to adopt me. Then when I was actually born, they come back again and said, well, you've already got a daughter. We're still happy to adopt this one. And of course, mum didn't because she wouldn't think of doing that. And so myself and my four other siblings thought it was a real big joke because they ended up quite rich because Auntie Louise inherited lots and lots of money. And they moved to a very high-class suburb, built a, built a mansion, all of that. But we still, mum still kept in contact with them to the day they both died. So it was a big joke because, oh, they're really rich. And mum would visit. We'd all go there. Sometimes dad would go as well. Birth certificate father would go there as well because they had an orchard and he loved citrus fruit. And they lived a long way away. We had to travel an hour back then. It's a little bit quicker these days. Um, and we'd visit them all the time. They're always in our lives. So when I got engaged... Mum insisted they come to my engagement party back in 1979. And we were all thinking, wow, what sort of a present are you going to get with you know, people with that sort of money? And I got, got these uh, little set of glasses that were like $6 from the shop up the road. We had a bit of a laugh about it. Oh, it doesn't matter. They're saving up for the wedding present. We'd always joke about it. <laughs> and mum would always say, that's how the rich get rich. They don't spend money. She'd always say that to us. And then as we got older, and then the following year I got married, and they turned up to the wedding. And they lived, like I say, quite a distance away. It was a very rainy, stormy winter night. 
they turned up late. So I'm about to walk down the aisle with my birth certificate father holding my hand, all dressed up in the bridal gear, and they come in late. So Uncle Bert walked into the back of the church where I was about to walk down to the aisle. Then he just stood to the side so he'd be out of the way. And a photo was actually taken of him standing on one side of me and myself as a bride and my birth certificate father on the other side. So I actually have a photo with both fathers in the photo, still not knowing he was my father, my biological father. And that photo was just everything to me now because I actually have a, a proper photo with me and also a group photos he was in with, with his wife as well. I have another wedding photo with him. Anyway, so years, years gone by. I've looked up, I found out that, hey, guess what? He's your father. Um, my older sister was quite disturbed because she hadn't long lost her son in a um, house tragic house fire. So she thought she's going to lose a sister as well, but that's just her was her mindset. Well, I'm not going anywhere, and I had to convince her that I'm still your sister. We're the ones that share all the memories, and I'm still very close to that sister. And so she... Uh, so then, then I said, if I'm, if I'm Bert's daughter, then Lynn, my younger sister, I said, then Lynn has to be because her and I not only look alike, we talk alike, we're the same size, we're 15 months apart, we had the same everything, a mindset, same everything about us. Um, in fact, often we were mistaken for twins. She's got blonde hair, I've got brunette, probably much the difference. And and then my husband goes, but she hasn't tested yet, so you don't know. So anyway, so we sort of this, that, it was, was a really weird feeling. I hear how other people speak of how, how it reacted with them. I'm, I just thought, wow, that's just amazing. You know, and then your head just doesn't stop. To this day, like, was it five, five years down the track since I found out? Um, I still think just about every day about it. It doesn't disturb me, but I think about it. Uh, and if he was alive, I know I would have approached. I would have approached him, um, but actually took that big secret to her grave uh, just over twelve months ago. We hinted to Mum while she was she was going into dementia, particularly the late the just the year before she actually died. She was not really um, with it, but we didn't want to tell her either. We hinted a few times, but Mum. Oh, the best mother in the world, believe me, the best mother in the world. She would, further back down the track, one of my brothers joked with her and more or less indicated, this is before we found out, indicated that she was having an affair with someone and she was so, because she was in hospital one time, she was so disgusted to think that her children would think that she would have an affair or have a relationship with anybody. And it really, really upset her and we thought well, we can't really say anything to her because she would be so mortified to think or know that her five children knew that she actually had an affair with Uncle Bert. Now I've got the scientific evidence. I know it's a fact. My siblings all know it's a fact. So there was no point disturbing her mind with the fact that we all knew that she had an affair with Uncle Bert because it just would mortify her. She would just just be horrible for her. And I, we just didn't want, but we all decided, nah, let's not tell her because it would just disturb her too much because she was such a beautiful being. Anyway, so um, after a while, my young older sister and I both settled with it in our head. Then we decided, okay, it's time to tell our younger sister. So my older sister and myself and her sat together 
And my older sister told her the whole story as to how we got to that point. And she just, her reaction was she turned around and looked at me and said, well, if you're Bert's daughter, I am too, because that's how much we are alike. And not only that, it even looks that the three older siblings, they've all got like an oval-shaped long face. They're all tall. My younger sister and I have got like a very round, like a sweetheart-shaped face. I don't know if any no shapes of faces. And not only that, we're both short. Our eyes are different. Our nose is different. Everything about us, our, our looks is so different to the other three. So eventually my sister wouldn't, the younger sister wouldn't um, buy a kit because she doesn't, didn't have the money. So I bought the kit for her. And yes, yeah, she's my only full sibling that I have out of, out of all of us. Oh, um, my old, yeah. Then my older sister was really disturbed thinking straight away when we were finding this out, she went and got the, she got the kit. She got her ancestry done. She's a half sibling and that absolutely rocked her. She's been more disturbed about all this than what I have been. It really rocked her that she was not my full blood sister, mm-hmm. uh, because she was like her mother. She looked after boys. She she alone looked after my younger sister and I. We were like the the separate family, but she always looked after us while Mum worked all the time. The boys were sort of on their own type of thing, but she just took us where we and we had to go. Whatever we had to do, she was the one. And it really really hurt her to find out she was only a half sibling, and I had to really convince her I'm not going anywhere. But during this trip, this discovery, uh, I found out that it wasn't just Bert and Louise. We only even knew it was Bert and Louise. In actual fact, Bert had left his previous wife and four children, the youngest being about two or three, a boy, the youngest one, three girls and a boy. He left them four to to go with Auntie Auntie Louise. So he actually left his whole family and ran off with Louise. Yes, so they worked on the Sydney buses. She was conductress on the bus and he was a bus driver at the time. So I didn't even know that none of us knew that there was another family out there because I got a message in all this time, then I got a mess, another message from another cousin with his surname as Chard. And so he, he, was the, he actually contacted me and he actually said, we introduced our, each other and he basically said, did you actually know that you've got four other siblings? No. So he then contacted them all and he didn't have a very current relationship with them, but he was able to find all of them and all but one because one had passed away. And he contacted them, but told them all about me and told them all, asked them all if I could have their phone number. And then he gave, then he gave me their phone numbers and he said, now they all know that you're going to call them. So then I was able to call them and introduce myself to them. And I still have that relationship with those three. But on Ancestry, there was this, with my older sister coming up as a close a close family or close relative as a half-sibling, there was another name on there. And I tried for 18 months to find out this other close sibling, whoever this was. Well, that particular person I found 18 months later with the help of my cousin again. 18 months I looked for her and she hadn't been on her computer for 18 months because she um, had been scammed on her computer and she had computer issues so she didn't want to go on any sites anymore finally found her and I found this other sister with the same father she lived in my area the time that of her conception her family lived not far from where we live now but my mother was pregnant with my younger sister um he uncle bird my biological father 
he was having an affair with this other person. So this other girl was born a year after my younger sister. So Bert was having an affair with, he was married to Louise, having an affair with your mother and this other woman. Yes. That produced, yes. Oh my. Okay. Yes. Um, and we don't know, we don't know if there's any more out there. <laughs> Maybe they haven't done their DNA yet. We don't know. And in saying that, the first wife of Bert always told the, his children that your father's probably got a lot of, lot of children out there. Just wait and see. Now, mm. when two of them found out that the, the, my half-brother and half-sister, when they found out that I existed, they laughed and were so excited because then they knew that he cheated on his next wife mm. mm-hmm. um, because, you know, they left, he left the first wife and children in a, a pretty poor state uh, in the sense of finance and that. But in the end, later down the track, he ended up meeting up with those kids again. Then Louise would never let them call him dad. She was she she basically hated children as well. And they went to they saw him before he died, and they also went to his funeral. And at the funeral, and they're very big in Salvation Army, and the Salvation Army officer was known to this to these people, and they said, um, he said, oh, I didn't know you were connected. Apparently, his Bert's life started from the day that he met Louise, so there was no history of his life at his, his eulogy or his history <sighs> at his funeral. So it's like she just like just disregarded that whole part of his mm. life. They, they must have never had any children of their own, Bert and no, Louise. they didn't. They didn't. Um, Did she know that you and your younger sister Lynn belonged to him? No, if she, she was, she was very, oh, put it and put expression on it. She was, she wore the pants in the family. Basically, mm-hmm. she told him when to breathe and when, when not to breathe, and very tough. He just did whatever she said, um, because she she had the purse, she had the wallet, and basically, had she had known, I'm sure she would have stabbed him. <laughs> like mm. she would have, she would have put him out that door as quick as. Um, because uh, and, then, and then we realise then often think well is that why my parents always fought? But I've spoken to my siblings thinking well here we were thinking yes dad was playing around but mum was playing around too, but mum ended up having two kids out of it. And to this day, because my sister's done her DNA, my older sister, there's been no siblings come up on her DNA. So dad's birth certificate father's done it pretty pretty safe. There's been no to this point, any siblings extra that dad's been out there with. And then it fits into place. One mum used to yell at him when they were having fights. You don't know if you're their father. I know if they're, I'm their mother. It's like, oh, so she was actually telling him. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these little comments that we heard, apart from his ones, but I'm sort of just highlighting mum's comments because, you know, we would obviously overhear the fighting and that. It's a lot of things fell into place. A lot of things have fallen into place. Now, and then, then you see this picture of Bert standing beside me at my wedding. We're exactly the same height. He's short. He's the same height as my younger sister and I are the same height. And his shaped face is the same as ours, exactly the same, same chin, same nose, same sort of slanty eyes. And then after meeting my other siblings, all much the same. Sadly, one I had to travel. My older sister come with me. We had to travel. She's in a nursing home, uh, the oldest one. I went and met her two years ago, and she was so excited to meet another one of their siblings. 
she's now got dementia, so she I did speak to her in November via FaceTime, and she still remembered me, which was fabulous. So she's eighty. She's just about eighty-seven. The next sister down passed away. Then the next sister that I see very often, she lives three hours away. That I, I go up there as often as I can, and she's got daughter with five kids and then millions of great great grandchildren. And so I've become part of their family. They treat my older sister as their adopted sister, and all of her kids' grandchildren call my older sister uh, by aunt. But well, then they all call me Auntie Sue. They call her Auntie Kath. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've we've got a very good bond there. She's she's just turned eighty. 84 actually she just turned 84 and then the brother that he lives in Sydney as well I go to his place every so often in fact got another visit coming up he's uh 75 so they're all because he was Uncle Bert was 17 years older than mum so they're all a lot older Mm. and then there's me 66 my younger sister 60 65 and then the next sister is is just turned 64 so we're all just a year apart. Mm. Um, yeah. So uh, can I ask a can I ask a question about that? Yes. So your siblings from his first wife, do they? Did you talk with them about the story about how Bert tried to adopt you? Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Isn't yep. it, Isn't that? Yep. It's crazy that he really was asking to adopt you, and yet he had these four children out in the world. As yes, well. you don't know whether well, Louise would have known about them, but she basically just disowned them. So she, they wanted their own child. Uh huh. Oh yes. Okay. And then even sort of way down the track, when there was a connection again with that with their father, my sister that's eighty four, she went along with a daughter and some grandchildren, and they need they needed nappies changing, and Louise would would say. You don't change children's nappy in the house. You take them outside and change their nappy. <laughs> oh, that child's crying. Maybe you should go outside with it. Oh. Um, was sort of really anti-children. I don't know whether she turned like that. But she also tried to I've hear lots of stories from that particular sister and her husband, who he's now got dementia in a nursing home. But uh, Auntie Louise used to try and crack on to him as well, at my uh, sister's husband grab him on the bottom as he walked past or say, how about we just go in here and have a little chat and things like that. Yeah, just, yeah, and of course he put her back in her box because he's tough and didn't put up with that sort of thing. Yeah, so um, they have shared so many stories about Bert, so I've got to know him like that. But not only that, I try and recall my own memories of him. And then I've heard um, I've heard these stories from my the very younger sister, the one that lived uh, nearby, I have I have everyday contact with her, every day. She used to live in Victoria, which is one of our states. She's now moved to Queensland, which is a state above us, and a lot easier to get to. And I have a lot of contact with her. But she was saying um, that she she's been she she never knew till I told her that her father wasn't her father. She she was a bit disappointed that her parents didn't tell her because um, she was so close to her dad. Very disappointed. She's a bit like me. Yeah, okay, well, what it is is what it is. But her two sisters are like 16 and 17 years older than her. So she said, so many things have fallen into place. She says, I was brought up as an only child. But mm-hmm. she was also said that Bert, Bert, because one of her sisters knows about this, one sister they're not telling, 
And that sister recalls, because she's like 16 years older than her, Bert and her father were friends. They were both travelling salesmen and they were actually good friends. Mm. So then Bert would have known, and her mother never drove, so her mother was always at home. She didn't, where they lived, there's no public transport. Her mother was always home. So Bert would know when her father would have his his roster or where he he was travelling to, he would know when he was out of town. So he's he's dropped on mum's doorstep, and had relationship with her mother. Mm. And then she and then she says, and I recall as a little girl, we would travel to someone's these. She says, I just remember them as two old people. She said we would go to their place, and she described the house, which is totally what it is because I remember it very clearly. And she says. And mum would sit up on, on the outside veranda having cups of tea while dad would take her father, would take her down to the tennis court because they had a tennis court there in Orchard, and he would play with me on the tennis court while mum would be having a cup of tea. She says, I remember that. So her father would still drive the family out to see Bert as a family friend. Mm. Yeah, so um, like I say, I have contact with my living siblings, and the younger one, every day. I speak, talk on text or occasionally we have FaceTime or whatever. She's, she has sort of the temperament same as me. Yeah, so it's for me it's been an absolutely amazing, amazing journey. I just thought we were just an ordinary poor family that just go on with life and all these skeletons in the closet. It's like I've gone from boring existence to Wow, is this is this really where it's all where it's all happening? Um, and I don't mind telling anyone? There's only one family I haven't told, and that's my mother's sister and her my cousins I grew up with. Um, because my mother's sister was always jealous of mum. They're only eighteen months apart. She was always, and she she said to my older sister and I, because we would still visit her occasionally. She's still she's just about to turn ninety ninety two. And by purposely not telling her because she she would tell us horrible things about mum. Oh, your mother's a liar. She always tells lies. Mm. And, and her and, and their mother had a, such a close relationship. She was really jealous of mum and her mum's relationship with her own mother. And she just speaks nasty of mum. And yet she was there the day before mum died and, you know, with her daughter brought her down, said her goodbyes to mum and, you know, and a sad, sad thing was during mum's last uh, months, she was always calling out for her. She's calling out for her sister. And I haven't told her because she will just give her reason to hate mum more or, or to basically bitch about her. Um, mm. And I don't want her speaking of mum like that. When she goes, I'm going to tell my cousins. My, I was with one of them yesterday. I uh, went for a cup of tea yesterday with her uh, and I'm going to tell them, but when she's gone, because I just yeah. they, they won't care less. They they won't have a problem with it, but I just don't want her to know. Um, yeah. And my older sister doesn't want her to know either, because of the horrible things she's actually said about mum. Uh, and our mothers give you the shirt off her back. I don't. She'd do anything for anyone if it meant giving someone the, the last coin in her purse. She'd give it. She, she was just the most giving person, as was her mother. But my auntie's not. My auntie. Is was never like that. She's totally opposite to what mum was like. Very greedy, very selfish with the time, pushes the kids aside, you know, very different. And a lot of people I, I hear, you know, on your podcasts or mainly mainly on the Facebook sites, how they have 
I understand because everyone has such a different outlook on it. I understand that they, they hate their mother after that. They've been lied to. They don't cope with being lied to. And I hear all these things. That, now, that's their own story, and, and they, they've obviously got good reason for that. I don't care less. Mum's lied. She's lied to keep our family together. What it is is what it is. I don't, we, we don't care. We know mum told lies, but she would think that we'd believe them, but not to hurt people. She never did that to hurt people. So I don't, I don't have a problem that she took that to a grave. We've had, the, we had the proof. We know what it's all about. She loved us dearly. We loved her equally back again. My older sister and I never left her side constantly for the six years she was in that nursing home. Mm. So uh, we were there every single day, regardless of what. Um, so she got back what she put out there. All five of us loved her dearly, regardless of what happened back then. Our history of our family is our tapestry of life. That's there that with the five, the four other siblings that I that I grew up with. That's our history together. There, our memories together. Whether they be good memories or bad, doesn't matter. So I, I'm happy with my lot, but it's just an interesting story. It's just basically really interesting. And Sue, I forgot to ask you your permission this before, but if people wanted to contact you, reach out to you, is that something you'd be able to do? Not a problem. If not, oh, okay. And what would be the best way to contact you? Um, on my email, and I'd just like to add to that in a second, but on my email, do you want me to say it now? Yeah, no, sure. Yeah, sure. it's susan.walker, S-U-Z-A-N-W-A-L-K-E-R 57 at hotmail.com. And in saying that, I've actually acquired an NPE friend from NPE, NPE sites, whether it be podcasts, I can't remember how it was, or whether it was on, on Facebook sites. I've got this really, really fabulous friend who lives in Cape Cod in the States, and we talk like we're sisters, like we are sisters. And I've just by talking, you know, sharing our stories with each other. I've known her for quite some time now and, and we basically talk by messenger every day. And that's just from the same interest of being an NPE. Isn't that amazing how that happens in life? You have these friends, these like virtual friends that you message and you're close with through messenger, through this shared experience. Yes. I, it's amazing. It's happened in my life too, ever since finding out I was an NPE. And I've made a few close friends as well. And it's just like, wow, this yes. is such a beautiful relationship. And here yeah. we don't even get together. <laughs> and I wish she was my sister because we we seem to be at the same wavelength. We She's just such a beautiful person. And I hope one day to get there and visit her. <laughs> and she oh. hopes to come over to Australia one day. So um, it'll happen. Oh, that's so sweet. I hope that does happen for you. Yeah. Sue, thank you so much. It was so nice to hear your your positive energy and the nice outlook to your story. Thank you for sharing everything with me today. And, and I appreciate you sharing so much. It's okay. Thank you very much for your time. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.